I knew I wasn't ever going to play, but at the same time, it was this game that I was just captivated to because it's so unpredictable and it's such a challenge. It's so competitive, but I was removed from it in a sense because I wasn't in pads on Sundays or Saturdays or Friday nights. I'm Peter Creighton, and welcome to The Looking Glass, a program that examines the stories behind personal interests. It's difficult to believe, but welcome to the season one finale of the Looking Glass podcast. Over the course of this season, we've explored some pretty intriguing stories. From the world of magic and Harry Houdini, to finding Nirvana, and the joys of movies, to a story about WWF action figures, I think it's safe to say that we've covered a wide range of topics. But for this last episode, I feel that it's time for me to step outside of my comfort zone and explore a topic that is completely foreign to me. As I mentioned on a previous podcast, I work at a university in the greater Chicagoland area. This job has afforded me the opportunity to work with some incredible young people. The individual whose story will be the focus of this edition not only fits this description, but she shatters all preconceived notions of what it means to be a fan of the National Football League. Her strength, determination, and drive have taken her to levels that most men can only dream of. I call this edition the Hail Mary of Dreams. Hillary Vandersanden and an NFL PA certified contract advisor, also a licensed athlete agent in the state of Wisconsin. I first met Hillary almost 10 years ago. She was a student worker in the student activities office at my university, and she would, from time to time, help me out at the student radio station. Whenever I would stop by the office she worked in to drop some paperwork off, Hillary and I would end up talking. Inevitably, those conversations would always get steered towards one particular topic, the NFL. Her love and passion for the NFL is without a doubt one of her most recognizable characteristics. We've stayed in touch over the years, and throughout that time, her love and passion for football have only grown. So, I became curious as to where this love of the NFL came from. So I asked her what her earliest memory of becoming an NFL fan is. My earliest memory is with my dad, of course, in the house that we currently live in, um, sitting in the living room. And I remember it wasn't even Packers. I think it was a bye week. And I sat with my dad all day and just watched from noon until Sunday night football, every team we could, I, you know, however many games. And he flipped back and forth. And the fact that I, I think the 49ers played that night. And I was probably five, maybe six, because my dad, um, my dad and I spent a lot of time together when I was that age. My, my grandpa had just passed away. My, my grandma was just diagnosed with cancer. So my mom was spending a lot of time with my grandma and I was spending every minute I could with my dad and sports just kind of were our go-to. So we watched football all day. I think it was snowing. From an early age, sports played an important part in Hillary's life. In addition to playing sports, for Hillary, sports became one of the central areas for her 
and her father to bond over. Sports have always been a big role in all in this household. So it was just another way to bond with my dad. And I think, my I mean, my mom loves football too. My weekends were the time that I had with my dad. And so he played college ball. He So we're big Hawkeye fans in this, te- in this house because he uh, played for Iowa. But it kind of, it kind of progressed from, he would share his stories. He would kind of reminisce about the days that he spent on the field. And I think his stories kind of changed over time because he made himself sound better and better, but <laughs> I won't, I won't digress. Um, but um, sitting there and learning the game, just from watching my dad kind of explaining, oh, this is this play and, and this is this team and this is their strong point and this is their team and their strong point. As this love and passion for football grew, there was an issue that Hillary at some point had to come to terms with. Being a female, Hillary would never be able to play a game of, quote, organized football. This was a fact that she knew and accepted. But knowing Hillary, this was only a minor detail and would not prevent her from learning as much as she could about the game. But my love kind of came from just learning about a game that I, I wasn't going to ever play. It, you know, it, w- it was more of a challenge to learn on the field, off the field, the dynamics of football from a perspective of just a, a female off the field. You know, I, I knew I wasn't ever going to play, but at the same time, it was this game that I was just captivated to because it's so unpredictable and it's such a challenge. It's so competitive, but I was removed from it in a sense because I wasn't in pads on Sundays or Saturdays or Friday nights. Uh, I think it kind of gave me this different view of it, but at the same time, I was so almost hands-on because I was so into it that it just became such a part of my life as a little girl, you know? I don't know. I don't really know what it was as a child, that if it was just the bond that I had with my dad or if it was if it was just the state of Wisconsin and how close we are to the, to the game of football, because it's kind of all we got. (laughs) Um, But I loved it from the beginning and I just couldn't get enough. And it, I still can't get enough. All throughout her life, sports played a key role, but sometimes fate throws you a curveball. Hillary recalled how multiple knee injuries closed one door for her while unbeknownst to her, Another door was slowly beginning to open. What really is crazy is that I tore my ACL four times playing basketball. And so sports were such a huge part of my life for so long. And every moment that I wasn't in school or wasn't at a family event, I was playing sports. I was very active in sports. So when all the knee surgeries and all the injuries kind of took that away from me, there was like this very big void that I needed to fill. And I think while I was in college, I filled it with academics. What I needed to do academically, I did so that I could get to law school. And I think the only downtime that I took from academics was either my jobs, working and volunteering and things like that. But I was watching games. I was watching the Bulls. I was watching the Packers. I was I never really thought much of it until I got to law school. 
And when I was in law school and you're so stressed with all the studying and all the, you're sitting at a desk just studying your life away or you're in class getting embarrassed because you have no idea what you're doing at first. I realized very quickly that I was not meant to be a criminal lawyer and there was something missing and I just, I couldn't put my finger on it. And one night I was out watching a Thursday night game with uh, a few people that I had class with earlier in the evening and we're, we're all sitting there watching this football game and I'm like I have to somehow involve this game and this career path because this is what's missing from my everyday life this is what brings out this passion and this fire and this it was like I couldn't be a, just a lawyer I couldn't I couldn't go to a law firm every day and just lawyer my life away and there was just something going on there that I was missing. There was a void I needed to fill. And when I would watch football, it was like there was that spark that I needed to somehow ignite in my everyday life. And when I realized that, I I was like, I need to look into sports law, what that all involves, what I could do with that, and how I was going to do that, how I was going to bring that into my daily life and be able to merge my love for the law and my passion for justice and everything like that into what I felt about sports and, and how vital it was in my daily life. And it was just like everything clicked that night. And I woke up the next day, like, okay, I need to talk to the sports law professor. I need to figure out how I can rearrange my schedule so that I can take these courses and I can figure out how to, find a lifelong career in the sports and entertainment. I guess I didn't realize at that time how competitive it would really be. But at the same time, that's the one thing I think that attracts me to it the most is that it's, it's not only super competitive, but what I want to do and the impact that I want to leave is almost nearly impossible. And that's, what's going to make me chase it forever. And I think I brought that athlete mentality my career and that's exactly what I needed to do in order to keep going and so it was like it really found me I didn't really go out searching for this job it just all kind of hit me and I and I just can't let it go I wake up every day thinking about what I can do to get one step closer to accomplishing my goals and living out this dream the decision had been made Hillary was going to chase her dream and try to carve out her spot in the male-dominated world of the NFL. After meeting with her sports law professors, Hillary decided to pursue a career in sports law and become an NFL player's agent. Now, to become an NFL player's agent is no small feat. Here, Hillary describes the process in becoming a licensed NFL player's agent. To even apply to become... Uh, an NFL agent, you have to fill out a pretty intense uh, application. And the NFL Players Association uh, puts that out in the beginning of the year. So I think there's like a six-week window of when you can submit your application. And I submitted mine on Super Bowl Sunday of 2014 because I thought that was going to be good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I can. But there's only about six weeks. So you fill out your basic information about yourself and then, you know, like where you went to school and 
all things like that. But then they need uh, like pinpoint information about like financial aspects of your life because to be able to deal with uh, an athlete's money, you have to kind of have all that in, in line. They look into all your past, uh, where you've lived, if you know, if you've rented, who you've rented from, and any kind of business that you've been associated with, uh, jobs, schools. Uh, I can't even even remember all the details. It was very detailed. And then you also submit a non-refundable $2,500 application fee with that. So. Uh, when you're just coming out of law school, that's exactly what you have is $2,500 that you're, you're not getting back if, if this goes through or not. So, so I remember, yeah, I remember sitting, watching the Super Bowl, thinking, this is it. Like, I'm going to submit this, and I cannot wait to hear back and then, uh, you know, and just be a part of this. But it doesn't really – when you submit it, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. I don't think the first, unless you know somebody that can kind of run, break it down for you. But I submitted mine having no idea what, what was next to come. So I submit this and I, you know, click the button and then you feel this like great sense of pride. Like, yes, like this is the first step, but then you wait about mm, six months to hear anything back because it, they send it to like basically an investigator who looks through all of it and checks every detail to make sure that you're fit for this application to be approved and you hear back and if your application was accepted then that's really just an application to sit for the exam so you're not an agent once that is approved you're just approved to sit for the exam to become a certified agent so i will never forget when i found out it was approved i was so excited that excitement meant one thing. Hillary's journey to fulfill her dream would continue. But it was far from over. To take the NFL's Players Agents Test, she would need to travel to Washington, D.C. While there, Hillary would confront some of her most challenging hurdles yet. One challenge would involve the actual test, while the other would involve a preconceived idea of what a female's place inside the world of the NFL is. It's a, let's see, it was a two-day seminar in Washington, D.C. The first day and a half were just going over um, the, the collective bargaining agreement, the different um, policies and procedures on, like, steroids and uh, player conduct and things like that. So reviewing that and kind of what we needed to know and then, the second afternoon was the actual exam. I, I'm not sure. I think it was about three hours, multiple choice. And I, I had no idea what to, uh, what, what I was getting myself into thinking hmm, multiple. Cho- I'm, I'm better at writing exams. I can kind of BS my way through because that's what lawyers do, but it was multiple choice. So that, that was kind of scary for me. And it was definitely intense. It was page-long fact patterns of questions about negotiations and switching agents and certain um, sections of the CBA that were very detail-orientated, and it it was tough. Uh, The guy next to me, well, let me just put this into perspective. I walked into a room in a dress and heels, and I look around, and it's about 500 men, and I'm like, oh, okay, 
there, I think there were two or three other ones close to the front. And I, I had walked in a little bit late because I'm kind of late for everything. So <laughs> I walked in thinking, oh, God, <laughs> Michael, this is this is not probably going to be easy. This is they're going to give me hell probably. And, and they're all looking at me like, what is this? girl doing in here like she's never played it down a football but let me tell you neither have most of them so uh so I just kind of sat down and I have a very I don't really I knew I wasn't gonna let any of them get to me I knew that I was there to take that test and that I was approved and I went through law school for this moment and I was going to take full advantage of that moment and not let any of them get to my head which they did try to do a lot of the guys would talk through me, like they would be talking to another guy and I would be in the middle of them, but they would act like I wasn't even there. One of them, I will never forget a conversation when I first sat down the first day. <laughs> Two guys were talking and one of them said, yeah, my wife had asked if any girls were here to take the exam. And he's like, and I told her no girl was stupid enough to stay the whole time. They would leave before the exam. And th- I was literally sitting in between the two guys that were talking. So I was, I just smiled because I'm like, good, like, nice try. And what's funny is about 35% of us in the room passed the exam. And so I don't know if that, that gentleman passed or not, but chances are he didn't. And so it was like, really, like, you're going to try to mess with me, but you don't, you know, I, how do you know any more about football than I know? I have that kind of personality, but you kind of need that thick skin and that tough competitive edge to walk into a situation like that and actually not let it affect you enough to distract you from the reason why you're there. And I think that was probably one of the harder, the harder aspects of the exam for me was focus on the exam, focus on why you're here, put down to paper what you know, and then get out of here, you know? But it was it was tough. It was full page fact patterns and questions. You know, it wasn't just like a one word or one line question with four choices. It was it was a full page of facts and and the answers. It it was a lot. It was structured a lot like my law school exams. And so I think that probably gave me a little bit of an advantage because you don't have to be a lawyer to take the exam. But the guy next to me was an attorney general. And he got up after 10 minutes and he said, I can't do this. He, he threw the paper down and he walked out of the room. After two days of being there, his flights there, his hotel expenses. And it's, of course, at like the Ritz-Carlton. So it's like you're paying 400 bucks a night, to, you know, take this, you're paying to take the exam. You're paying to apply for the exam. Then you're paying to get there. You're paying. It's a lot of upfront, but as much as maybe I should have thought about the money aspect of it and really plan for that first. I, it was, it's all, it was all worth it for me because this is, I walked in that room and there amongst 500 men and I've never felt more like you belong here. Like Hillary, this is where you are supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do. This is, this is it. This is your time. And, and so it was great for me, but, um, I can I I can't imagine like just walking out at that point like that was the moment that it all came down to for me and to see these men just so frustrated and get up and walk out I was like oh my god what have I got myself into so that was pretty cool 
I felt like at that moment, my dream did come true. I, even though like, I didn't even know if I passed, I didn't, I, I wouldn't know for weeks. And I, that didn't mean I had any clients that doesn't just passing and becoming an agent. That doesn't mean the NFL players association is going to promote you as an agent. You still have to promote yourself. You're not working for the association. You are working for you. They're just saying this girl knows enough to be certified. And it's still not, it's still not a job. You still don't have clients, but at that point, just getting to that point was, was magical for me. It was, it was like a dream come true. Hillary had passed the test. She was now a certified NFL players agent. And in doing so, she had confronted sexism right in the face and overcame it. But sexism is something that Hillary will need to face and overcome on a daily basis. I asked her what her thoughts were about this unfortunate challenge. Yeah, you know, Pete, I think I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the aspect of it I didn't love the most, which is probably, <laughs> which is another me. And, you know, school school was always really hard for me. And so I needed to go to law school because it was a challenge. And I never thought I could get through it. Then I got to law school and sports law was the class that was all guys. You know, I'm in a room full of 30 some men. And then I ended up getting the certificate of merit award, which is the highest grade in the course. And we had to represent athletes. Like we had a little course competition and I won that. And I was determined. I kept putting myself in these situations where in my mind, it looked to be a great challenge, nearly impossible. And then I, I accomplished it. And I think, (laughs) I think being a female in this, male-dominated world and industry is is part of the reason why I'm so into it and why it's just there's no question or doubt in my mind that it's how I'm going to spend my life because I, I have to get to where I need to be because I owe that to myself almost. I, I keep chasing this dream that I think most little boys have growing up <laughs> of, oh, this you know, I want to be an NFL player, and I'm like, oh, this girl, like, oh, that's your dream? Well, I I need to be somehow involved in that dream, too. Like, oh, my dream is to be in this male-dominated industry and make an impact that you necessarily can't leave as a player, that I'm going to leave as a female representing these players or representing these teams. And But but that makes it hard. <laughs> and uh, I, think, I think most guys look at me as a joke. I think my age, uh, the way I carry myself and just the way I look overall and kind of the vibe I give off, people just laugh it off. Like, oh, this girl, like, why is she here? Whose girlfriend is this? I get that probably. I got that every time I went anywhere is, oh, who are you? Who are you here with? Oh, whose company do you work for? Oh, whose secretary are you? Oh, are you dating a player? Like, no. I'm not. I'm sorry. And no, that has nothing to do. My personal life has so far removed from all of this. It's just like unreal. But that like drives me. Like, it's just like, oh, I dare you to say something like that to me. Like, that's just going to make me more determined to like, that just makes me want to steal someone's player. Like as a, as a client, that doesn't make me want to date your player. It's just crazy how they look at me. But, um, I love, I love a good challenge and I definitely got myself one here. I think, 
in a room of these men the first time I thought, Oh God, like they probably all played football and I've, I've never had pads on. Could I kick a field goal from like 30 yards? Actually I can. And I'm very proud of it. But, um, but no, I've never played it down a football in my life. I'm never going to, but half of them didn't. And even if they did, half of them didn't go to law school. Half of them don't watch every game three times. You know, half of them don't have a heart that just loves this game more than life and would do anything for it because they look at it as a game and I look at it as a lifestyle. And it's just different. The competitive part is what drives me, but at the same time, there's other aspects that I have to be aware of, and I don't think I necessarily was going, going into it. Hillary's love of football started on a snowy Sunday afternoon watching it with her dad. Now, many years later, I was curious as to what her dad thinks of her journey thus far. Where his dream left off, because he got hurt, uh, he had multiple knee surgeries just like I did, which is funny, but where his, game, where his dream left off with the game, I picked mine up. And now that he is not doing so great, and it's, it's crazy because I started watching football with him on Sundays because my mom was taking care of my grandmother who had just been diagnosed with cancer. And what's crazy is that my football story aligns very strangely with my, with my cancer story too. Not that I have it, but my grandmother had it and, and that brought my dad and I together. And now my dad has it and I'm back home in his house here with him along his journey, along his fight. And football is our link again. And football, football was our link then and football is our link now I'm not exactly where I want to be when it comes to my career because because of this and because I'm home with him. But I'm realizing it's it's almost giving me more passion. It's almost giving me more reason and more purpose to someday get to where I need to be in this league so that he knows that that I can bring our story to bring it home and give him that dream because it's my dream too and, and just make that dream come true for the both of us and our family. At the end of the day, Hillary's story is one of inspiration. If there's one thing I think you should take away from, it's to follow your dreams. It can be scary, and you will meet individuals who will tell you not to follow them or that you will fail. No matter how many people say you can't do it, don't listen to them. Hillary found her passion and is doing everything possible to get herself to where she wants to be. This is a characteristic which I feel more of us need to have. Chasing dreams is hard, but it should be hard because it will make your success even more sweeter. This edition of The Looking Glass was written, recorded, and edited by Peter Creighton. The Looking Glass was created by Steven Anderson and me, Peter Creighton. A special thanks goes out to Hilary Vandersanden for joining me over the phone from the great state of Wisconsin. As a special thank you to Hillary, I would like to say, Go Packers! For more information on The Looking Glass, please visit our SoundCloud account at soundcloud.com slash lookingglasspodcast. You can also email the show at thelookingglasspodcast at gmail.com. Before I end this episode of The Looking Glass, I wanted to take a moment and thank you for listening. I cannot express to you how grateful I am for every listen, 
download, and share. Thank you. Be sure to stay tuned as I'll begin providing sporadic updates on the progress of Season 2 of The Looking Glass. My goal is to begin sharing new episodes in April 2017. Until we speak again, I'm Peter Creighton, and cheers.